John Curley and Sherry Elliker show. Thanks so much for being with us here on a Friday. John is out today. He'll be back on Monday. Greg Tomlin is sitting in. He's doing our 14 uh, at the uh, at Cairo right now. So, uh, Greg, thank you so much for the marathon that you're doing. Uh, we really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Sherry. It's been a blast so far. I look forward to continuing the conversation here. Well, Mayor Adams in New York is in a little bit of trouble because he had the audacity to say that he walks with God and he doesn't think that it's really possible to have a separation of church and state. I think we've got some of of what he had to say the other day. Don't tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body. Church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. I can't separate my belief because I'm an elected official. When I walk, I walk with God. When I talk, I talk with God. When I put policies in place, I put them in with a God-like approach to them. That's who I am. Uh-oh. Does this bother you, Greg? <laughs> No, and in fact, uh, I tend to celebrate comments like this. I love the topic of the intersection of faith and politics. But as you pointed out, uh, the mayor is receiving some backlash uh, for what he said. Donna Lieberman, the executive director of the New York Civil Liberties Union, said that Adams needs a refresher of the First Amendment and that one faith can't be favorited over another, including non-belief. Well, I I would just push back a little and say I think Eric Adams was voicing his own opinion about how faith influences um, him as a leader uh, in the state of New York. And the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So I don't believe Adam's comments to me run contrary to that. Uh, What's your take? Uh, It doesn't bother me at all. It really doesn't. I I think 43 percent of New York City's population disapproves of his performance right now. And that's largely due to crime. And I am certainly one that that thinks there should be a separation of church and state. And I don't think that people, um, politicians necessarily, um, you know, always, always follow that. I think sometimes he's speaking to... Um, you know, an interfaith group. And so he is going to talk about his faith. That is the subject matter. So I, it doesn't really surprise me, nor do I believe that he's some sort of religious zealot who is making decisions based on some sort of antiquated something in the Bible. I think that he's a, a, you know, I'm not sure how good of a leader he is. I don't live in New York City. I think the crime is out of control and there are some problems that many, in many cities are facing right now. Um, uh, but no, that, that really doesn't have a a big impact on me. But there's this other story, Greg, Um, the Arizona school board, uh, they, they got into a a little bit of a, of a a mess because they have this uh, arrangement with the Arizona Christian university and they don't have enough teachers. So they have something where they have the, the Arizona Christian university provides them with student teachers and there is a a woman on the school board, and she describes herself as bilingual, disabled, neurodi- neurodivergent, queer, black, Latina. He she loves a good hot wing, but only <laughs> one with the right ranch. Oh, of course, and things that sparkle. In spite of that, okay, okay. a lot of box of checking there. Yes, okay. <laughs> 
I kind of agree with what she has to say. Let's take a listen to why she believes that this Arizona Christian University is probably not the best fit for them. My concerns, though, are our values. And if this institution is value aligned with Washington Elementary School District, I'm going to start with our values first. Our vision in Washington Elementary School District is committed to achieving excellence for every child, every day, every opportunity. Every child. When I go to Arizona Christian University's website, and I'm taking this directly from their website, above all else, be committed to Jesus Christ, accomplishing his will and advancing his kingdom on earth as in heaven. Part of their values is influence, engage, and transform the culture with truth by promoting the biblically informed values that are foundational to Western civilization, including the centrality of family, traditional sexual morality, and lifelong marriage between one man and one woman. I want to know how bringing people from an institution that is ingrained in their values that will very directly, one, impact three of your board members who are a part of the LGBTQ community. That is the end of that clip. Sorry. Oh, I thought that was a pause for effect. Okay, wow. I was waiting for the big culmination Uh, there. Well, we have a little bit more from her and why she believes they should dissolve their partnership. At some point, we need to get real with ourselves and take a look at who we're making legal contracts with and the message that that is sending to our community. Because that makes me feel like I could not be safe in this in this school district. That makes other queer kids who are already facing attack from our lawmakers that they could not be safe in this community. So I really want us to think hard about who we're partnering with, deep dive. And I want to ask the district, is this school value aligned with what we're trying to do and making sure that all of our students feel safe. And Sherry, you agree with her perspective, you say? I don't necessarily agree with they, that they don't feel safe. I have a little trouble with that. That's word. what I'm I was going to sure. pick up on, too. I, I, yeah, yep. I, I'm not quite sure what that means, if they feel as though they're going to be persecuted or or something like that. Um but I can see where in a, in a world where they're trying to be inclusive and there are LGBTQ kids there, that that doesn't line up with for whatever you feel about um, about those issues versus what the Christian school feels. Um, they don't really it's not really a good fit. And so for that reason, unless there is a complete need for that school to be, you know, aligned with them. I, I can see her point. I, I really can. I, I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but I can see where 
for better or worse, they both have positions on something. And do those two things mm-hmm. work together appropriately? Yeah, and I'll speak as a, a member of the Christian faith on this topic, not speak for all Christians everywhere. This is just my opinion and some conclusions I've made over matters like this. One of my favorite pastors is named uh, Reverend Timothy Keller, and he talks about uh, Christendom and the fact that America more and more resembles a post-Christendom era and how that's two different categories. So Christendom was a society maybe 100 years ago, 90 years ago, where if you were a person of faith, you had specific advantages in America. You had a leg up. Uh, you were given favor for a number of reasons. As we enter the post-Christendom era, post-Christendom A is you lose those advantages as a believer that you once had in society. You lose the favor you once had. Post-Christendom B, that category is now there are certain disadvantages to being an upholder of traditional values or of traditional faith beliefs in society. And I think we have more and more entered into post-Christendom B in this day and age. And I'm, am I shocked by it? No. And, and I'm getting more and more used to the fact that some of the values I hold near and dear aren't going to be shared now by a majority of the population as they once were. So I'm getting used to the fact that uh, my deep-rooted belief system might run counter to the order of the day or new cultural norms that have emerged. So I embrace this concept of sort of living in exile in my own country and trying to navigate accordingly. But do you resent someone like her who goes against your um, your values and what you believe in, and she's essentially saying, you know, this school is counter to what we believe in because they are Christian. And I mean, I, yeah. I think that's I think that's a fact. I don't think yeah. that I don't think there's any real, uh, you know, w- w- objectively that is a fact. They are, they believe in one thing, and the Christian school probably doesn't believe in all of the things that they do. So, if you take the kind of the emotion out of it and all of that, do you understand or do you still feel offended by the fact that she's dictating? Um, I'm not offended. I mean, these are the decision makers and and people in power right now. And whether I agree with it or not, I think I have to accept it. I'm not outraged by it. I sort of understand the zeitgeist. I will just add this, that the culture and society that we inherited this generation was sort of implemented by wasps. Uh, And the end result has been that diverging viewpoints – Uh, from that white Anglo-Saxon Protestant belief system, they were actually able to gain traction and influence various sectors because of the preconditions that the WASP society had set up. So, in uh, in other words, academia, the arts, uh, business, and even government, to a degree, other viewpoints were able to gain traction and begin to flourish under the old system that had been set up. So faith is now in decline. Uh, And you see this in statistic after statistic and the data that comes out. And here's what I doubt. I doubt whatever value system is replacing that Judeo-Christian ethic will be as receptive to alternative viewpoints. 
Does that make sense, or is that kind of a word salad? <laughs> no, no, no. I agree with you. I, I think that's been uh, that's been proven over and over again that the people sometimes that preach the need for tolerance are the most intolerant, and that is uh, disturbing. So it's um it's you know places like Arizona, you know different places around the country, uh, they are trying so hard to be inclusive, and yet they're not inclusive of Christianity. My wife and I both went to uh, Christian high school. And so we had some friends that maintained their religion and some friends that fell away from it. But the dynamic that we've noticed is for a lot of our friends who lost their faith, they adopted a new belief system that in some ways was even more dogmatic and more judgmental than the faith that they derided and left because of those very reasons. It's. I, I agree with you. I, I've noticed that. I, I, a lot of my friends who are very, very liberal pass the most judgment of, of anybody. Right. I mean, they really do. I mean, if you're not with them, you're against them. And if you don't believe what they believe then you are evil and terrible and there's no you don't really have any redeeming qualities unless they're they're not open not not all of them but a lot of them are not open to any ideas other than what um what 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 they believe in Um, i want to get to this because i found this really sad um and it's about seattle and it's about seattle being one of the nation's saddest large metro areas um, and 45% of Seattle area adults were dealing with depression or said they were dealing with depression when they were asked. Um, and it's really kind of staggering. Um, and they say that, you know, part of the, the survey that they did was, um, a lot of people, um, Seattle was number one in the percentage of adults feeling depression. They interviewed about 3 million people, 18 years old, and 18 years old and older, um, coming up. Behind them is Boston, Miami, Phoenix, and Riverside, California. Um, Does this trouble you? I mean, do you find, I don't live in Seattle, so I don't know, but do you find that the Seattle area feels gloomier than (laughs) other places? Or do you find that people, you know, around you are in good spirits, bad spirits? I know when you're working 14 shows a day, like you're doing today, uh, you might feel a little down, but what, what, what do you think? No, uh, good question. And I wonder what is the main causal factor here? I think part of this might even relate to the previous discussion we just had, which is some of those cities you named off are some of the most secular places in the world. But I also default to thinking that this has something to do with the weather, although you probably couldn't say that about uh, Phoenix and maybe Boston to a degree, but we just have so many gloomy, gray and rainy days around here. And there's no question that some of that relates to psychological health to me. I remember I went to Ireland one time. We were there in the middle of August and it was just overcast and raining. And I thought to myself, it makes sense to me why drinking culture is so ingrained over here because yeah. you got to cope with these clouds year-round, even in the month of August. I think some of that plays a role with uh, the statistics we're seeing about Seattle and depression, but maybe just to a degree. Well, they actually cited that. They said that the weather does have an effect on it, but that doesn't explain Miami or Phoenix or even yeah. Riverside, California. So um, that, you know... I, I don't know if people are just depressed because they're 
let's don't blame COVID again, but coming out of the isolated period of COVID and, you know, maybe people are still sort of getting, you know, over that or they don't have as much interaction with people anymore because people aren't going back to work. But um, cheer up, Seattle. Come on. <laughs> it's okay. Really, it is. John Curley and Sherry Elliker Show. John is out for today. Uh, we would love to hear from you. You could be letter of the day as picked by the teeny tiny lady in the pickle jar. 1-888-973-5478. Or you can go to MyNorthwest.com. Greg Tomlin was kind enough to fill in for John today after he's already done two radio shows. So uh, thank you, Greg, for being here. And I might add that this hour is brought to you by Bucky's Auto Service Centers. Thank you, Sherry. Okay. <laughs> I just had okay. to get in a little nod there. Of course, of course. You know, Greg, this uh, came as a surprise to me. Uh, you pointed this this uh, particular story out about Pink um, and her daughter not having a cell phone. I was a little surprised that she said she doesn't have a cell phone and she also doesn't have any social media. And Pink being the star that she is certainly relies on social media for her publicity. Uh, what struck you about this story? What did, what did you learn from it with her t- telling her daughter, eh, not going to happen? I'm not generally a fan of Pink's music, but I am a fan of what she's decided to do in terms of her parenting her daughter as she navigates smartphones and social media. The headline caught my eye because I had a very similar conversation about technology with my 12-year-old daughter just last week. And Pink, it appears, is taking a similar track to what I did. Headline, Pink's daughter can't have a cell phone until she, quote, produces literature that social media is good for kids. Um, So my 12-year-old came to me, and she knows uh, her mom and I have reservations about anything to do with screens, Typically, we trend more towards the vigilant side of things and less uh, free and open, do whatever you want uh, kind of method. But my daughter, to her credit, worked up the courage and said, you know, mom and dad, my friends are getting this app called Be Real. And I had not heard of this before, maybe once previously but Jake, describe to me what Be Real is. You're, you're young and hip with the kids. <laughs> um, I do have Be Real on my phone, and oh. I have fallen off of usage of it. But the idea What's of its it, essence, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of uh, – I respect it in certain senses. The idea is uh, it only allows you to post once per day, and that mm-hmm. time of when you're allowed to post is random. And so you get a notification on your phone indicating, hey, it's time to be real, and you get to take a photo of yourself and whatever it is that you're doing. So it's like a dual photo. And who's it go to? Uh, whoever uh, is following you. Okay. Is it public? Is it private? Does it go to just your friends list, or can anybody search for you and see your posts and be real? And these are good questions. Um, if I was literate, a little okay. bit better at knowing how it worked, I would say that you get to choose that setting for yourself, whether you want so public or private. My wife and I follow this indispensable uh, guy who goes under the moniker Protect Young Eyes, and it's all about how parents uh, can, again, be more vigilant with their kids, and he'll go over and describe every app that is kind of trending amongst young people and say, here's what it does, here's the disadvantages, here's what you need to look out for. So so we researched uh, this Be Real app, and the conclusion was basically that it's social media light. 
not really like a Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or, or TikTok, but it has some crossover elements to a degree. But my question to my daughter was, I said, rather than just say yes or no and not give you an explanation for why you can or can't have this app, I said, prove to us why you need it. And secondly, how is this app going to enrich your life? And because I think the worst thing you can do as a parent is not give your kid a firm reason or talk it out with them. And my daughter has realized that she likes the back and forth of the conversation. And I'll typically begin conversations with her this way, Sherry. I'll say, look, mom and dad have a track record. We've clearly shown we have your best interest in mind. We love you. We're doing the best we can. Technology these days, it's like the wild, wild west. And your generation is like the, the great guinea pig for all these experiments we're going uh, through with human communication. And so I said, we have great reservations about social media because the data shows this is just destroying young girls' minds. It's making them more depressed. It's making them have more thoughts about self-harm. It's giving them more anxiety. So we're not just rushing into this headlong and letting you adopt anything and everything you want willy-nilly. And she said, okay, Dad, I have a reason for why I need this app. I said, great, let's chat it out. And she goes, well, because all my friends have it. I said something to her (laughs) that I never thought I would say as a parent. But, you know, what's old is new. This is evergreen. I said, oh, really? If all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do you it didn't, too? So you didn't go I there. said, you, I oh, laughed, oh, Sherry, that? Sherry, oh, dear. I laughed as I said it, but you know what? There was a reason all our parents said that to, to us because peer pressure uh, is a formidable force. And I said, you can never use that excuse on us that you need something because everybody else is doing it. That's just not going to fly. I said, again, I said, go think about this on your own time. Come back to us, and if you can think of a compelling reason why this will lead to a better life for you or why this will enrich your experience as a 12-year-old girl, please do. And she took the assignment and really actually appreciated being a part of the decision-making process rather than us just saying yes or no and and so on. So, what one, what do you think of that tactic? Do you think it's effective? And uh, two, do you think I'm just a failure? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, not at all. Uh, so here, here's be, being the people pleaser that I am. Um, I don't have children. So it's, I, I'm always very cautious to comment on things because I don't have children and I, I don't know what it's like to have to navigate all of these different things, especially in today's world where there's just so many things coming at you all at once. But I think that what ha- would happen to me is if, if, they went through the trouble of doing the research and really trying to make a case for themselves, I might feel horribly guilty still saying no. Like they went to the trouble of doing it, which is why I'm not a parent. Because I would just, I would cave every single time because I would feel like they would be mad at me and I wouldn't like that. So I would be horrible as a parent. But I think that 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 would be the thing that would come to mind is, so let's say they she does what you ask her to do. She comes up with reasons that, in her mind, at least, seem right. very compelling, that seem very sensible and logical and um, make her case. And then you have to still say no. Um, well, or that, do you? but here's the thing. I'm willing to be persuaded. I'm not closed-minded. Oh, okay. That's good. Okay. And, and I'm not a Luddite about any new piece of technology that 
comes about. It's just a tool, right? You can use it for equal parts good or evil. Now, I think it's dubious just to exclaim when I get this, it's just going to be great for every reason. Uh, people often overlook the negative impact of adopting uh, new pieces of new ways to communicate. But if she comes back and says in presents a well-reasoned argument, I could very well say, you know what? I think you're right. And let's have a trial run with this. And, and then we'll reassess in a few weeks after you've used this app. I will say it's been a week and she hasn't put up a fuss about it and hasn't come back with a more compelling reason. And I think she's content with the conversation we had. So at least that's, that's great. my little experiment up to, well, up to date. Well, that's great. And, and she, she may have come around to your thinking, which is there really isn't a compelling reason why you need this right now. There just mm-hmm. isn't. And so it, there, she couldn't find the evidence. And so you made your point, and you made your point in a way that's fair. It wasn't dictatorial. You weren't saying this just because I said so. You didn't do that. You said, okay, here's your chance. So good for you. You and Pink. Make good parents. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Very, I've always wanted good. to be put in the same category as pink in some way. <laughs> Today's the day. Well, today is your lucky day. Welcome back to the John Curley and Sherry Elliker Show. We'd love to hear from you. one 973 5476 or Yes, I am going to allow the teeny tiny lady to pick the letter of the day, so there is still time to submit yours. John Curley out today. Greg, Greg Tomlin is in. And Greg, um, Mark Twain cautioned against them. F. Scott Fitzgerald said it was like laughing at your own joke. And Elmore Leonard said, you are allowed no more than two or three per 100,000 words of prose. I am talking about exclamation points. Ah, yes. And there is an article in Time that says we have become a little too liberal with our exclamation points. Are you someone who uses them or watches it because you think, oh, it's sounding a little too enthusiastic. Uh, what's, your, what's your feeling about this? Uh, I'm endlessly fascinated with linguistics and the evolution of language and how we use it. I read this story and then immediately went to some of my texts that I've most recently sent and asked myself, how often do I use the exclamation point? And I have to tell you, I think about it fairly regularly because if I get a text or an email from someone and if there's one exclamation point in it, fine. If it's two, I start thinking, okay, we're a little overly excited here. If it's more than two, I, I'm like, chill the blank out. Like this, this person's coming on way too strong here. So I sent a text to a buddy of mine today and we've been looking for like a date to get together and hang out, maybe go see a movie, maybe have a beer. And here's what I wrote back. I'll reach out midweek. Kids' sporting events and extracurricular activities are becoming more of an obstacle these days, but I'm sure there's a few hours sprinkled in where we can make it happen. Exclamation point. What judgment do you render on its usage in that particular text? Did it warrant it or was it overkill? I don't think it was overkill because I just texted before while we were in a break. Uh, this was from my friend about getting together for breakfast on Monday. 930 would be great, she says, and it's okay if it has to change. Love, Mary Jane. I wrote back, nope. 
exclamation point, exclamation point. Oh. Monday it is, exclamation point, oh, no. exclamation point, 930. <laughs> That's okay, my standard that is, for going too far. That is And the double exclamation point on each, on each usage. Right. Well, you used one to me 10 minutes ago, Jake. I, I, said, I said the printer's not working. I know, double exclamation point, what's the deal? And no question mark after what's the deal, by the way. That was, so that all bets are off in modern day grammar, by the way. It, it, it's completely relative. It's a postmodernist use of language it's a complete nightmare (laughs) what i found interesting about this was that it only got its own typewriter key in 1970 oh wow so it's a newbie Mm -hmm. on the scene here yes it's something that people didn't really use and really didn't think it was it just showed i i know my dad who was a prolific writer and very smart went to harvard and i would always check things with him and he really advised me against the exclamation point saying that it was a little too you know hey or or saying i would love to set up a meeting with you like don't do that either you know okay <laughs> i have a question for you sherry i need a female's perspective on this okay. my wife and i argue endlessly uh, I usually text her back with one word text. It's, yes. I'm not very proud of it, but she hates when I write sure. She thinks when somebody writes back the word sure, it is the greatest insult that you could ever offer. So like, are we going out tonight? And I write sure. She thinks that's me like slamming the door in her face. I'm not enthused about it. And it's frankly rude. What, what do you make of writing sure in a text? I, I, I think sure is is fine but if she's used to more from you like she wants you to elaborate sure i'd love to go to dinner with you and wherever you want to go honey is fine and by the way here's five hundred dollars for you to get a new outfit for tonight i mean maybe she wants a little bit more from you um but yeah i'm i'm fine with sure because i figure everybody's busy um but what i didn't know is that doing a thumbs up is supposed to be really insulting but that's kind of dismissive i think i'm gonna go with sure exclamation point from now on <laughs> just add that how about sure thumbs up exclamation point question mark question mark yeah, yeah there exactly. you go. all right all right we got it we got it glad okay, that's settled they, yeah